Welcome to Family History Genealogy Made Easy. I'm your host for this episode, Lacey Cook. Normally, it would be my mom, Lisa Cook, here at the microphone talking with you about genealogy, but she's asked me to step in this week because she's battling a case of the flu, which also has her left without a voice. She's on the mend, but it looks like it will be several more days before her voice returns. So I'm here and I'll do my best to steer the ship while the captain's gone. As you heard in last week's episode, she recently attended the Family History Expo in St. George, Utah, and she's had a chance to interview some experts in the field of genealogy. And she loves being able to bring those conversations to you. So in our first segment, we'll hear her conversation with Bruce Busby, president and founder of the Roots Magic Genealogy Software. This interview is of particular interest because at the expo, Roots Magic publicly released a beta version of Roots Magic 4, which takes a leader in the market of genealogy database software and makes it even better. One of our main goals in our in software when we're writing our our software is to make it easy to use, and so that was that was kind of our prime focus is to add more ease of use features, and so we do have a lot of those, but we also added a lot of a lot of high end. Very, very powerful features. Uh, we also have now the ability to run Roots Magic on a flash drive, and not just really? the, not just the data, but you can actually put the program, the program itself. I mean, some of the features that we've put into version four, well, that we put into any version, are features that I want, and yeah. some of the features <laughs> that we put in are features that some of the other programmers want. We do a lot based on what users ask for. Roots Magic 4 is packed full of new features, and at the end of the show, I'll teach you how you can win a free copy, so you won't want to miss that. Oh, this is already fun. I get to give away free stuff. Very cool. And in our second segment, I've got her interview with accredited genealogist Judith White. This is a very timely conversation since we've just celebrated St. Patrick's Day, and Judith is a professional genealogist whose speciality and personal passion is Irish research. This is your chance to learn from a master about how to find those elusive Irish ancestors. They think that the records were destroyed, right? and that's partially true. Uh, it does not affect Catholic records whatsoever. Oh. It was the Church of Ireland, which is Anglican, that were destroyed, the ones that were deposited at the four courts in Dublin. One of the areas that is probably underutilized because people don't know about it is estate records. Most of your people in, in rural Ireland, which is where most of our ancestors were, right? they lived on farms that were leased from estate owners. And so the estate owners, they might have had a middleman that kept the records, but there's a body of records called estate records that have leases that were never registered in Dublin, that have censuses, that have maps, that have all kinds of things within those estate records. It's going to be a great show. St. George, Utah, and it's been a busy expo, lots of people milling around here, and I'm sitting right across from the Roots Magic booth, and keep wanting to grab Bruce Busby and get a chance to talk about the new Roots Magic 4, and he's been busy, but I got him. Yep. Welcome to the show. Thanks. <laughs> Bruce, I know you have been working diligently on Roots Magic 4, and I know you've been very excited about it, so 
We want to be the first to hear what are we going to look forward to in the new innovations in the product. Okay. Yeah, we've we've been actually working on Roots Magic Four for three and a half years now. Wow. Uh, this is a total rewrite. So after version three, instead of just tacking more features on, we went back and completely started from scratch with this one. Um, one of our main goals in our in software when we're writing our our software is to make it easy to use, and so that was that was kind of our prime focus is to add more ease of use features, and so we do have a lot of those, but we also added a lot of a lot of high end, uh, very very powerful features. We've added uh, what we call shared events. Um, some programs call those witnesses, but what that lets you do is create an event for a person, but other people can share that. So if you add a census event to a person, to the father, instead of having to go and add that as a separate event to each, the mom and all the kids, you can actually just say all of these people share that event. I was just doing that the other day with a family with six kids, and I'm so careful to go back in and make it an event for everybody. That would right. be an amazing time saver. Right, right. And the thing that's really nice is if you have to change something, if you have to add another source or something, right. you just change it for that one event and it automatically is changed for everybody. I love it already. <laughs> I'm yeah, we've, we've, also, we've also added Unicode support. So for those people who have Eastern European or Asian ancestry, they can now enter the characters uh, from those languages really? in there as well. Okay. And, and we've completely overhauled our source handling. Um, in Roots Magic 3, we had the ability to add sources based on Elizabeth Schoen Mill's evidence uh, mm -hmm. book. Uh, in version 4, we now support not only evidence, but we also support evidence explained, which is the big one. Right. Uh, we also support the quick sheet, and we also support lackeys cite your sources. And what's really nice is we can also let you create your own source templates. So you're not limited to the source templates that we built in. Okay. Um, so you do have support for those, but you can also go in and, and create your own source template if there's a source type that you would like to use that's not in our, in our list. You don't have to wait for us to get around to putting it in. You can go in and create your own source template. Yeah, I'm thinking about, I remember one time my grandmother had taken a doily off the plate and, uh, you know, off the table, mm -hmm. and she had written something very important on the back, and I always wanted to keep that doily, because that was one of the first things that she ever wrote down about the family history. You know, how do you source a doily? Right, and, yeah. And, and that, so, I mean, there are times where we have our and, customized... And sources. that's one we don't actually have in our... You we don't, don't have, have doily. Okay. Yeah, we don't have that one. I so can create my own. That's one you'd have to create on your own. <laughs> Um, so, so those are just a few of the things. Uh, we also have now the ability to run Roots Magic on a flash drive, not just really? the not just the data, but you can actually put the program, program itself. We have a little program that comes with Roots Magic called Roots Magic to Go, which will let you install Roots Magic on your flash drive, and then it will let you sync the databases between your hard drive and the flash drive. So you can bring it up, and it will say these these databases are on your hard drive. Which ones would you like to add to your flash drive? And you select them and it moves them over. And then when you take your flash drive off to the library or whatever and work with your data, when you come back and you put that in, uh, you run Roots Magic to go and it shows you how you can sync those back up. So, and it runs completely off the flash drive. You don't have to, the, the computer you put that into doesn't have to have Roots Magic or anything. It just runs totally off that flash drive. See, so you don't always have to bring your laptop. You're right. going to your cousin's house and you could just plug that in and you're yep. working. You know, and these guys are not kidding because I've been watching the booth and you guys carry around these laptops mm -hmm. and, and you go around the front and, and you're playing it like a violin. 
you know, <laughs> showing the tree and showing people yeah. how it works, and it's just so mobile. And I think about sometimes that's how we are. We're, right. we're out in the middle of a cemetery, or we're at somebody's house, mm -hmm. and we couldn't grab the whole computer bed, but we could take that flash drive. Right, you can take that flash so drive. Really make us any mobile. place, any place you know that there's going to be a computer available, you'll have your database and everything with you right there. Wow. I can kind of see why it was a complete rewrite because yeah. I'm just yep. blown away at how much you've added. Yeah. But it's apparent to me that you are as much a user of it as you are right. a developer of it because right. you, you talk like a user. When, we, when we're using something and, and you, you think, oh, I wish it did this, I wish it did that, and that's the beauty is that you are the developer, so right. you're seeing that firsthand. Yeah, a lot. I mean, some of the features that we've put into version 4, well, that we put into any version, are features that I want. And yeah. some of the features <laughs> that we put in are features that some of the other programmers want. Um, you know, so the, it, it, we do a lot based on what users ask for, but, you know... We're, we're the programmers, so sometimes we get to put in our own little pet feature. And, okay, so what's yeah. your wish item for the next version? What, if you could do For anything. the next version? <laughs> Basically, we will, there's a lot of features that we want and that we're going to actually be getting into version 4. Uh, we're, we're releasing version 4.0, but 4.1, 4.2, and so on, there's a lot of features that in order to get version 4.0 out, we had to kind of pull out for just a little bit. And so as we wrap those up, we'll be putting those in. So those will actually be free upgrade features uh, for version 4 users. Right. We don't have to worry about getting it now because we right. know that you can just download those from the website. Right. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Yep. Okay. So let's finish up with the website so we can find Roots Magic. <laughs> yeah. Rootsmagic.com? Rootsmagic.com. Great. And let's talk real quick. You've got some other terrific products there, too. Yeah. We've also got uh, Personal Historian. Right. Uh, that's a program that helps you write that personal history, either about yourself or one of your ancestors. Um, it, it gives you a lot of ideas about topics that you might want to write about, helps you organize those topics, and then be able to print your, your personal uh, family history book. Uh, we also have Family Atlas, and that happens to be uh, a mapping program that will import data from your genealogy software. It'll import GEDCOM files, but it'll import other, other genealogy program files as well, and let you plot the events in the people's lives on a map, on a world-based map. You can rotate this globe, and you can zoom in and out. Um, you can actually plot uh, where various types of events happened. Uh, you can you know, we have a time slider so that you can actually see just the events that happened in a particular place within a particular period of time. So you can do it geographically. You can do it based on time. Uh, so that's and, and then create your own custom maps. Uh, you can add pictures. You can add. Um, you know, text and boxes and whatever, and create your own custom maps, save them as graphics files to it's use in reports. It's such a powerful tool because, yeah. particularly those of us that are very visual, yeah. you know, just see it and you really right. get the big picture, don't you? Yeah, and yeah. it's not, and it's nice because you can do things like say, show me all the events from that, my database that happened within 50 miles of this location. So, oh, not, so wow. it's not just the mapping information, but it's also being able to get lists yes. based on geographical, um, geographical constraints. So. Like my wife had some family in Dearborn, Michigan, mm -hmm. and we um, we looked in Michigan, and, you know, we looked in Wayne County, we looked in Michigan, but we didn't realize until we actually used this feature that Dearborn, Michigan is just across the river from Canada. You know, yeah. it's like it's a totally different country. But you don't right. think of those kind of things when you're just looking at the name of the place. It's not until you see it in geographical context that I, there might be more information there in Canada there and there was in the United States. And I imagine too as you're seeing the events you start to realize while well, the house is here 
the activity radiates mm -hmm. a little bit further out yes. and touches other family lines. Yeah. All fascinating stuff. Yeah. Bruce, thank you so much for joining us, for getting us excited about Roots 4. Again, you can go to rootsmagic.com, mm -hmm. and uh, we'll stay in touch and okay. find out about those new versions, too. Okay, okay. thank you. Thanks. Right. We're back, and I'm your guest host, Lacey Cook. We're going to head back to the Family History Expo where Elisa, my mom, talks with Judith White about iris research. Mrs. White has been a professional genealogist since 1973 with extensive research experience in the U.S., Canada, Australia, Ireland, England, and Scotland. For 11 years now, she has worked as a British reference consultant at the Family History Library and is now a professional genealogist with Pro Genealogists in Salt Lake City, Utah. Hi, I'm here today I'm talking with Judy White, and she is here at the Family History Expo in St. George, Utah. And Judy, I know that you've been teaching some classes, and I really appreciate you coming by and talking with us a little bit about Irish genealogy research, because I know that's your area of expertise, right? That's my passion. That's your passion. Yeah. Well, I know that I have Irish roots, lots of folks have Irish roots, and we hear stories. If, if we haven't dug into them yet, we hear murmurings about, oh, all the churches are burned, or, oh, you can't find anything prior to 1849, or whatever. There must be myths that you hear from the people who want to do some research, and I'm hoping that you'll be able to shatter some of those and, and share some of the insight about Irish research that you share during your classes. Well, you're right. They, they think that the records were destroyed. Right. And that's partially true. Uh, it does not affect Catholic records whatsoever. Oh. It was the Church of Ireland, which is Anglican, that were destroyed, the ones that were deposited at the four courts in Dublin. So it doesn't affect Presbyterian records or any other church other than the Church of Ireland. Okay. So if you have Catholic ancestors, there's hope that maybe they'll be in the church records if they go back far enough. So when, when would we expect to find church records starting? How far back would they be that we might find on microfilm? That varies from place to place. Um, Catholic records are really interesting because if it's a large town, they go back earlier, but you get some fluky areas like County Donegal that many times they don't even start till the 1860s. That late? Wow. Or later sometimes. So um, there is no rule of thumb. It just... Church of Ireland would go back much earlier because it was the state church. But again, unfortunately, if the minister could not provide safekeeping, and that literally means they had to have a safe that they could put the records in, then they were supposed to send the records to Dublin. And one of the things that I did a couple years ago, um, where my own people were from in County Cork, I was finally able to visit the church. They, Because the population has become smaller as far as people attending church, they've amalgamated parishes. So you might have four different parishes that a minister is responsible for. And so he'll go to one one week, another the next week. Oh, kind of, okay, they're traveling. Yeah. Even though they're close together, they only hold services in one of the four churches. Okay. And so I just happened to be there at the right time to get into the church where my people were from because someone was there finally. And I saw the safe where the records were kept. So. The actual safe. Mm -hmm. 
a little genealogy serendipity there. Yeah. Right place at the right time. Yeah. How about civil registrations? When would the government have gotten involved in recording births and deaths and marriages? Civil registration began in 1864. Now, okay. if it was Protestant marriage, they began in 1845. That's when they started registering them. Catholic records were not registered until 1864. And early on, as with many other countries, the registration is somewhat spotty. Mm -hmm. Not everybody registered. And you get into a later time period, the same thing is true. Um, you're out in a rural area, and it's harvest time, and nobody has time to go in and <laughs> register the birth or whatever. The marriages were registered by the ministers. They kept the books, and, and they were registered. Okay. Like I, at the time of the marriage, because yeah. they're traveling, they're right there, and they can take care of it right away. Right. Okay. But... There's one parish that I was looking for, a Catholic parish, and the minister, for at least 50 years, if he kept the records, he didn't turn them in. And so we don't think the records were kept at all. Oh, my word. Mm -hmm. Not good news for the Not researcher there. Not good news, because that was going to solve one of my problems, I thought. Really? Let's say they have a situation where the records, uh, as far as church records, civil records, are not available. Any other alternative type records that we should at least look to next? Or One of the areas that is probably underutilized because people don't know about it is estate records. Okay. Most of your people in, in rural Ireland, which is where most of our ancestors were, right? they lived on farms that were leased from estate owners. And so the estate owners, they might have had a middleman that kept the records, but there's a body of records called estate records that have leases that were never registered in Dublin, that have censuses, that have maps, that have all kinds of things within those estate records. Because they were kind of a paternal overseeing of, of their community, weren't they? I mean, they had some responsibility for the the folks working on their estate? Um, they had a responsibility to make sure they paid their rent. Ah, and that so was that the was, motivation? Yes. <laughs> That's the priority. Yes. <laughs> so keeping track of the people, not mm -hmm. keeping track of the money. If we follow the money, we follow some of the records. Right, right. Oh. And all interesting stuff. Well, do you regularly speak here at the Family History Expos? Would we look forward to seeing you perhaps at some future ones? Yes, I've done this for several years. Um, I've worked with the company for quite a few years, so I will be back at other expos. Good. Well, head to the FamilyHistoryExpo.com website. You can see their upcoming list for 2009 and, and hopefully have a chance to um, tap into Judy and find out more about Irish records. Thanks so much for joining me You're today. welcome. Well, that's going to bring us to the end of the show. You'll find the show notes for this episode, which include all the links I've talked about, at my website, genealogygems.com. And there you'll also discover a lot more tips and tools for finding your family history in my podcasts, the blog posts, books, and videos. Become a Genealogy Gems Premium member, and you're also going to get access to exclusive content like my full-length video classes and the premium podcast episodes. We have a new one of those coming out every month. Now, if you have any questions about this episode, or if you'd like to share your experiences on how the podcast has impacted your own family history journey, I would love to hear from you. 
you can email me at genealogygemspodcast at gmail.com or leave a voicemail at 925-272-4021 and we might just play it here on the show. Thanks so much for listening, friend. I'll talk to you soon.